We are kicking off this new series, so let me start by asking a question. Uh, who here would say they are easily offended? All right, raise your hand. Be proud. I am easily offended. Yeah, no takers. First service, we had a couple honest people. Um, maybe they misunderstood the question. So let me ask a different question. I think everyone will say, I can raise my hand to this. Who knows someone who's easily offended? Yeah, and if it's the person sitting next to you, don't look, don't nudge, don't say, he's talking about you. No, all right, we get offended so easily in life over big things and little things. We get offended because we sent a text to somebody and they didn't respond like within, you know, the predefined parameters of expediency, 45 seconds, for example. What really offends us is we text them, they don't text us back, and we're looking at the text and we see the little bubbles. So we know they saw the text. They were even typing something and they never sent it. And we're like, oh man, they don't want to be my friend. I've, you know, they're mad at me. And we get offended. Uh, we get offended when someone gives us advice that we don't like. We get really offended when someone gives us advice that we didn't ask for. Like, oh, this is my life. Why are you telling me? Because I love you and I care about you. Here's one that offends us. We get offended by things that people post on social media. Here's one that makes me laugh. We get offended when we put something on social media about something going on in our life, our belief, our, our thoughts on a situation, and they dare to comment with something that's not what we think, not that we've pre-decided is agreed upon, and then we get offended that they share uh, an alternate or they have a, a differing point of view on something. We get offended because we found out someone voted for a candidate that we don't approve of. We get offended because someone's part of a political party that we don't affiliate with. We get offended because someone thinks that you, they, they, you should get vaccinated. We get offended because someone thinks you shouldn't get vaccinated. We get offended over everything. And we end up living this life that we're offended about big things and small things. Um, there are people who are just offended all the time. My goal today is to offend everyone. So just prepare, be prepared to be offended, and then you can't be offended, because we're going to talk about how to stop being offended. Now, throughout this entire series, we're going to be talking about different aspects of offense, but it starts with this. How do we stop being offended? So the, the, there's an author, a writer in the Bible uh, by the name of Solomon. He was um, King David's son. He's considered uh, possibly the wisest or one of the uh, most wise people to ever live. God gave him supernatural wisdom, uh, just, just divine insight. He wrote a number of books in the Bible, the book of Proverbs, the Song of Songs, and the book of Ecclesiastes. So I want to look at something that Solomon wrote. And this is what he wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 7. He said, do not take seriously every word spoken, such as when you hear your servant speaking badly of you. Why? Because often, as you yourself know, you have spoken badly of others. What is Solomon? Is he saying, listen, there are times when people are going to say things about you. They're going to lie to you. They're going to mistreat you. They're going to they're gossip. They're going to betray your confidence. Don't be offended by everything. Don't, don't get so worked up over everything that someone says or does. Why? Because... First of all, it's part of the human condition. Second of all, you yourself have done it. So don't spend life being offended by everything and everything. And so Jesus, um, he kind of sets the example for us, right? I mean, isn't our goal to be like Jesus? Jesus is the perfect representation of God in the flesh. He is God in the flesh. He's the incarnation. God became flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. So he represents to us what is perfect, and Jesus says, okay, now I want to model for you how to handle times when people say and do things 
to you that could cause you to be offended because this happened to Jesus all throughout his life and his ministry. He was lied about, he was talked about, he was betrayed, he was falsely accused, people mistreated him, they maligned him. On and on and on the things went, and yet we never see Jesus carrying an offense. If anyone had the right to, it would have been Jesus because he was like perfect, but he didn't. This is what, so Jesus had one of his closest friends, a guy named Peter, and Peter saw Jesus living this out. He saw him walking this out. He saw how Jesus handled these times when it would have been easy to pick up an offense, be offended, and carry an offense throughout his life. And yet Peter, seeing that, reflects on it and says this to us as followers of Jesus. For you, not just the people he's writing to, but to us today, for you were called to this. Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. This is the example. This is what Jesus modeled. And this is what you're called to, to be like Jesus, who when he was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he was uh, mistreated, when he was lied about, when he was lied to, when he was maligned, when he was betrayed, when he was stabbed in the back, he didn't pick it up and carry an offense. And you're called to be the same way as Jesus. And yet, what do we do as Christians? We get offended over everything and anything. I know people that are offended by a sermon that's preached. And they have, they, it's their um, mandate to go and make sure, you know, I just don't agree with that. that that's just not the right way. Because they're offended. We get offended over everything. I know people who like being offended. And they're offended when you're not offended by what they're offended by. That's a mouthful, but here, honest to God, there are people who have left churches because someone in the church, a pastor, a leader, isn't offended by the things that they're offended by. And so they leave a church carrying an offense. There are people who are offended for you because you're not smart enough to know what you should be offended by. This should offend you. I'm not offended by it. Well, I'm offended on your behalf. At some point, we have to say, is that the way we're called to live? Walking around, carrying offenses. Does carrying an offense honor God? Does carrying an offense make you more loving? Does carrying an offense make you more like Jesus? Does carrying an offense help you point others to the life-giving, life-changing message of Jesus Christ? Does carrying offense make you have more peace, more joy? Does carrying an offense help your marriage? Does carrying an offense model something that you want your kids to emulate? See, most of us would say, well, no. So here's what I know. Carrying an offense will never produce the life that God purposed for you. Walking around, carrying an offense, being offended will never produce the life that God desires for you. God wants your life to be impactful. He wants you to be effective in advancing his kingdom. He wants you to make a difference in the hearts and lives of those you interact with and intersect with, but you will never have that life. You will never live the purpose that God created and designed for you if you're living life carrying an offense. And I know what some of you are thinking, but pastor, <laughs> you don't understand. I'm righteously offended. I'm not offended over political parties. I'm not offended over uh, superficial things. I'm, I'm offended over sin. I'm offended over 
um, you know, the, the injustices in the world. I'm offended over sexual immorality and, and depravity. I'm, I'm offended over sexism and, and racism. Listen to me, please, please hear me. Those things break the heart of our heavenly father, 100%. They absolutely break the heart of our heavenly father. But we have to remember God, when people violate God's holiness, if he, in a sense, to use the word offended, I don't even know if that would be the right word, but if he's offended by it, it's because he's like perfect. He is without sin. All of us have sinned. That's why Solomon says, listen, don't take everything. Don't be offended over every little thing. Remember, you've done similar things. When we say we're righteously offended, what we really mean, we just don't say it because we're not self-aware enough, is that we're self-righteously offended. I'm offended by your sexual immorality and you gloss over your pride. I'm offended by their language and you gloss over your own arrogance. I'm offended by their lifestyle and you gloss over your judgmental attitude. I'm offended by the way that they are embracing sin and you gloss over your own gluttony. Have I offended anyone yet? See, we get to the point where we think that because we're righteously offended, we can overlook our own offenses. And Solomon says, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't do that. As a matter of fact, so here's Jesus, right? Now, he, he is the one that's perfect. He's the one, God in the flesh, that lived the perfect life. And he has this cousin. His name is John. And we call him John the Baptist. Now, John was an amazing man. He was a forerunner of Jesus. He went and, and prepared the way. He, he declared a message, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. And Jesus approaches one day and John's by the Jordan River and he's baptizing all kinds of people. And Jesus shows up and John recognizes and realizes in that moment through divine inspiration, through the revelation of the Holy Spirit, that in that moment he looks and sees Jesus, who's his cousin, he knew who he was, but all of a sudden he saw him different. And he said, you are the one. You are the anointed one. You are the Messiah. You are Emmanuel. You are the one that we've been waiting for. And Jesus says, baptize me. And John says, well, <laughs> I'm not baptizing you. I'm not even worthy to unbuckle the, 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 your sandal. I, I can't baptize you. Jesus says, it will honor me and it will please my heavenly father. And I, I just do this. So John baptizes Jesus and Jesus begins his ministry here on earth and he's, he's doing miracles and he's healing people and he's delivering people. At the same time, John finds himself in prison. He's arrested by Herod and he's waiting what is probably gonna be his execution and indeed he ends up being publicly executed. So as he's waiting in prison, he, he starts to say, did I miss it? I mean, Jesus is doing all these things. He's doing all these miracles and yet here I am rotting away in jail. Did I miss it? So he sends some of his friends and he says, go inquire of Jesus. Are you the one? Did I, did I just dream this? Am I just out of my, I'm out of my mind? And Jesus responds kindly. He points some things out to, to report back to John. And then he ends with these words in Luke chapter seven. He said, now blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Partly what he's saying is he's addressing John. He's saying, listen, blessed is the one who when I move in a way that they don't think I should move, when I do miracles for this person and not for that person, when I deliver someone here, but John, I don't deliver you from prison, don't be offended by any of that. Don't be offended. I've come to do some things, but I don't do everything the way you think I should do it. And don't, don't allow that to offend you. 
But he's also saying, blessed are those who are not offended for me, who don't say this offends Jesus, therefore I should be offended by it. Because Jesus says that's not the point. The point isn't to live life carrying an offense. The point is to live life to make an impact in the world around you. So you have to ask yourself this question, not only in this message, but throughout this series and really throughout your life when offenses are there and you have every reason to pick it up and run with it and carry it, you have to ask yourself this question. Do you wanna be offended or do you wanna make a difference? Do you wanna live your life carrying an offense or do you wanna live your life making a difference? Do you wanna live your life knowing that I am justified in my offense or knowing that I can point people to the God who justifies me? I can be right or I can point people to the God who made me right. I can live life being offended or I can live life making a difference, but I don't know, even know if it's possible for us to walk and live a life that's extending grace upon grace, mercy upon mercy, love upon love, forgiveness upon forgiveness if we live life carrying an offense. See, Jesus nowhere, nowhere, nowhere in the Bible gives us the right to be offended. He gives us the responsibility to share the love of Jesus, to share the love of God, to point people to him. He says, you have to learn how to forgive, how to be gracious, how to be kind, how to advance the kingdom of God in the hearts and lives of people. He gives us that responsibility. And he says, as you advance the kingdom and you make a difference all of a sudden, the world around you changes because the kingdom of God is near. And what, what are some of the hallmarks of the kingdom of God? Well, Paul wrote this in the book of Romans. He says, God's kingdom consists of righteousness, peace, and joy from the Holy Spirit. You living rightly by God's standard to the best you can, changing, living the way that God asks you to live. It also means greater peace and greater joy. And I don't know if, uh, if you realize this, but when you live life being offended, there's not a lot of peace and there's not a lot of joy. Peace and joy are kind of the antithesis of living a life being offended. We're angry, we're bitter, we're sour, we're upset, we're accusatory. There's no peace and there's no joy. Now, I know what some of you think, and I know what, what our world looks like right now. The only way to affect change is to, is to be righteously angry, to be riled up, to, 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 um, to just have that, that righteous indignation, that, that righteous offense. It seems like that's the only way that we make a, a difference to be heard is the, the angrier we get, the more offended we become. But we can pattern our lives after culture, or we can pattern our lives over what Jesus asks, right? That's why Peter said, to this you were called. Not, not that, this. That when you're offended, you don't pick up an offense. That's not easy. It's not easy at all. But if you look at life, right, it could be in, in martial arts, it could be in, in athletics, it could be in the military, just about any discipline in life. What happens? The more out of control you become, the less effective you are. You just, you just, you're all over the place. You gotta be disciplined. You have to be calm. You can't be someone who's just carrying an offense and angry about everything if you wanna be effective. Now, that means you have to be disciplined. What 
are followers of Jesus referred to as? It starts with a D. Yeah, see, same as first service. First service was like, is this a trick question? Somebody yelled out, deadbeats. I said, no. <laughs> Disciples, right. That's the root word of discipline. At some point, we have to say, if I want to affect change, if I want to advance the kingdom of God, if I want to stand against the kingdom of darkness, if I want to make a difference and make uh, in my life to make an impact, I have to be disciplined. When you're disciplined, God can use you. And when you're disciplined and you're not carrying an offense, you can be light in the darkness. You can be love instead of hate. You can be kind instead of angry. You can be gracious instead of uh, just gossiping. You can be understanding instead of offended. But you can't be both. See, what you have to do is you have to remember that you cannot allow an offense to limit your usefulness. Don't allow an offense to limit your usefulness. I know very few people whose hearts are changed because someone's angry, yelling, screaming, carrying an offense. Hearts are changed when there's love, when there's compassion, where there's a, a desire to, to have conversation, to go deeper. Now, what does that mean? How, how do we walk this out? How do we keep ourselves from being offended? How do we stop living a life that's constantly offended over everything and everything? Because it's easy for me. It's easy for me to look at the condition of the world and our culture and society and everything that seems to be going downhill more and more rapidly. It's like a snowball that's picking up speed. It's easy for me. Maybe it's not for you, but it's easy for me to be offended by so much that I see around me in the, in the condition of the world. How do we stop from doing that? I want to give you a key, and, and if you will grab hold of this, if you will, will make this part of your daily life, it will help. Here it is. View life through the lens of God's grace instead of your standard. View life through the lens of God's grace instead of your standard. Now, let me just say, even if your standard's God's standard. Now, some of you heard that, and what you heard was, Pastor said to lower God's standard. I, no, that's what you heard. It's not what I said. I am not saying, let me repeat not, because there are times I've said, I am not saying this. And afterward, someone will come to me and say, did you say this? And I, I said, I'm not saying this. I am not saying we lower God's standard. I am saying we can't view life constantly through trying to superimpose God's standard on everyone and being offended because they live short of it. So what that means is you have to lower your expectations of others and elevate your view of grace. Lower your, not lower God's standard, lower your expectations of others and elevate your view of grace. So what do I mean by, see, you say, well, my standards are God's standards, fine. Your standards can be God's standards, but you can't expect everyone to live to God. My standards are just basic, you know, uh, you know kindness. It's just, you know, Basic, just being nice. Listen, here's what I know. People will hurt you. People will disappoint you. People will lie to you. People will let you down. People will betray you. There are times you're gonna send out an invitation to the party and they're not gonna come. They're gonna say they're gonna be there and they're not gonna show up. They're gonna show up and not bring a gift. You could be offended by so many things. There are times when people are gonna betray a trust. There are gonna be times when people... Uh, um, uh, 
somehow or other malign you. There are gonna be times when you are going through the hardest time in your life. You've just lost a spouse. You've lost a child. You've lost a parent. And someone will come and talk to you and they won't ask how you're doing. They'll tell you how they're doing, what's going on in their life, their struggles, they need help. And they're not gonna once say, by the way, how are you? There are gonna be people who don't care how you're feeling. They're gonna not care what's going on in your life. They're gonna be people who walk all over you, step on your heart and make you feel terrible. Why? Because we all are, fa are frail. We all are human. We all will let each other down. I will let you down because I am so far from perfect. People will let you down. You have to decide when they let me down, am I gonna say, you didn't live up to this standard, my standard, God's standard, whatever standard it is. Therefore, I have the right to be offended by you or will you lower your expectations of people? See, Jesus never once in all the scriptures, and you can do, go, when, you, when you want to, go ahead and do this. Go read the four biography, biographies of Jesus' life. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books in the New Testament. They're just biographical accounts uh, of people who, who were there, who saw uh, firsthand witness accounts <clears throat> of Jesus' life. And look at the interactions that Jesus has. He never once picks up and carries an offense. What he does instead is show grace and mercy and kindness. See, at one point, Jesus is, is at a well and there's a woman there and he asks her to get him some water and she's like, I'm gonna get you water. I can't get you water. I, I'm not even supposed to associate with you. You're a man, I'm a woman, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. And then they start having a conversation and she's talking about her life and he says, oh, well, I know, because he's God and he's got the Holy Spirit inside him. He says, I know all about your life. You've been with a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of guys. There's a word for that whore. Um, and you've been with a lot of guys and the guy you're with now isn't your husband and I know that but I'm not offended by it. I'm gonna offer you grace instead here. I'm gonna offer you living water, water that will change your life. And you don't have to have this thirst inside of you that's trying to get it filled by everyone and everything around you. But I'm not offended by you. I'm not disgusted by you. I'm not saying, please go away from me. He's saying, please come closer to me. Let me give you this water. And as a result, not only is her life changed, but that entire community is reached with the message of Christ. Another time, Jesus is hanging out with his 12 closest friends. And they're, we're calling the disciples, and they're hanging out. And these guys, they've been with Jesus for years, and they start arguing and fighting. Hey, who's God? Who's Jesus' favorite? Like, Jesus, promote me over him. This guy's a tax gatherer. I'm a fisherman. Promote me over him. Jesus, when we get to your kingdom, when your kingdom is established, because they thought it was going to be an earthly kingdom, when you establish your kingdom, I want to be there. I want, to be on your, I want to be your right-hand guy. And his brother's like, well, I want to be your left-hand guy. And the other 10, I don't care where they are, but put us right up front and center. And they're fighting over position, trying to posture themselves to be Jesus' favorite. And Jesus doesn't say, you guys, get out of my face. You don't get it. I'm done with you. I'm offended by your ignorance. After three years, you don't get it. No, what does he do? He offers grace. He says, listen, all that stuff, I, that's not mine to give. My heavenly father has all that figured out. I, I, trust, I trust God with that. But if you want to be great, if you want to have a great position in the kingdom of God, in my kingdom, in my kingdom that's coming, then here's what you need to do. You need to be like me and serve. Let me give you an example of what that looks like. And then he kneels down and washes their feet. At another point, Jesus, again, is hanging out with his best friend, Peter. And uh, 
they're talking and, and Jesus says, listen, you guys are gonna, you guys are gonna all betray me. You guys are all gonna stab me in the back. You guys are all gonna abandon me. And Peter said, these other blokes, they might. These other guys, they'll let you down. These other guys are cowards, but not me. Now I'm your bro. I got you, man. I got your back right to the end. No, I don't, whatever you need, I got it. I will go right to the end with you, Jesus. You can count on me no matter what. And then a few hours later, standing inside a courtyard as Jesus is on trial, Peter says, I don't even know this Jesus guy. I don't know who you're talking about. I've never met him before. He denies even knowing his best friend. And what does Jesus do after his death and his resurrection? Does Jesus say, now, Peter, uh, get out. I'm a, f you, you, ah. Tell me how great you are. You couldn't even, you couldn't even stay for a few hours. Now, what does Jesus do? Before it even happens, Jesus tells Peter, I've prayed for you. After it happens, Jesus shows up, meets, meets Peter one-on-one -on, -one on a beach and says, listen, I love you. I forgive you. I want to restore you. I see the usefulness that God has for you. I see what God can do. He offers him grace. So we have to lower our expectations of others and elevate our view of grace. Because grace is this amazing thing. We all need grace. We all need it active in our lives. So, but uh, I wouldn't do those things. Listen, we all, who here has never sinned? Never lied, never envied, never cheated, never stole, never misbehaved, never gossiped. See, when we sin, what do we want? We want grace. But I wouldn't live like that. I wouldn't make those lifestyle choices. I wouldn't, uh, you know, engage in that type of behavior. I mean, they're being sexually immoral. I've had lust in my heart. They've lied. I I've lied. They've stolen. <laughs> I've stolen. They're full of pride and arrogance. I've got pride in my heart. I know I need grace. And let's be honest, you know you need grace as well. And yet somehow, we don't want to extend grace to those who have offended us. So Jesus is, uh, later on, right? He, he, I told you, he was, he's talking about John the Baptist. John the Baptist is in jail. Later on in that same chapter, in, in Luke chapter 7, uh, Jesus is at this, uh, this religious leader's house, a man of influence, a man of, of wealth and prestige. And he's at his house, and he shows up, and, uh, and, and he's having dinner, and in the midst of dinner, this woman shows up. And, uh, and she's, uh, she's referred to as a sinner. She was a prostitute. She shows up and she just begins to cry and weep at Jesus' feet her, until her tears are soaking his feet. And then she just uses her hair and cleans, cleans his feet and wipes all the tears off and then kissing his feet. And these men that Jesus is reclining at the table with are offended for Jesus. I mean, Jesus, if you're, you're a prophet, you should know what kind of woman this is. We're offended by this. Jesus says, you don't understand. It's not, you, you misunderstand grace. You're holding people to this standard and you're not seeing life through the lens of grace because let me tell you a story, Jesus said. Let me, let me give you an example of this. Let's say there's this, this wealthy man, this, this uh, business owner, and he's got two employees and one of them owes like, I don't know, let's, let's call it $10 million dollars. The other guy owes, I don't know, let's call it $10,000. He said, and this business owner realizes neither of them can pay it back. So he says to both of them, uh, I'm wiping out your debt. 
He said, which one do you think is going to love, appreciate, be more thankful to the business owner? And the guy said, well, clearly the, the one who gets forgiven $10 million of debt. He says, that's exactly right. You're exactly right. And this woman is so appreciative because her sins that were so many have been forgiven. These are Jesus' words in Luke chapter 7. Um, he says, her sins, which were many, are forgiven. Thus she loved much, but the one who is forgiven little loves little. Her, her sins were, she had all this sin. She's been forgiven much. She is so thankful and appreciative. If we fail to elevate grace, what we do is we don't think we need it. We think they need grace, I don't need grace. I mean, I need a little bit of grace, but I don't need a lot of grace. Like Jesus was perfect and I understand that, but I don't need a lot of grace. I mean, I'm just about there. You give me a little bit more time and I can hang on the cross for all humanity. I'm just about there. Because we haven't elevated our view of grace. When we elevate our view of grace, we realize just how much forgiveness we need, just how far we've fallen, just how much grace we need in our lives. And when we realize how much grace we need in our lives, it becomes easier to extend grace to others. He who is forgiven much loves much. But when we don't elevate our view of grace, it's easy to be harsh, to be vindictive, to be stern. At some point, we have to realize that's not to what we were called. To this you were called. Follow the example of Jesus. When he was offended, he didn't pick up an offense. Now listen, I don't want to make light of what some of you have been through. I don't want it to sound like I'm just saying this is easy. I know some of you, the pain that you've experienced is real. In the past, some of you, you're going through it right now, and it's deep, and it hurts. You had a child that was abused. You were abandoned by a parent. You had a spouse that, that cheated on you. And the list can go on and on, and those things, that's hard. And when we wrap up this series, the last week of the series, we're gonna talk about how do you forgive an offense. But what I know is this, when we've been hurt, regardless of the scope of the offense, when we've been hurt, when we've been wounded, when we are offended, what we do is we feel that we're justified. We're right in being offended. We're right and they're wrong. It's kind of like if you were to pick up a stone. I've been offended, so I'm going to pick up this stone, the stone of offense. And we just hold that stone and we say, I I'm not going to necessarily throw this stone, but it's here if I need to. So you lied to me. And I'm justified in throwing this right back at you. And I got a strong arm and good aim. I can hit you in the face. I can hit you somewhere else. I hit you in your man parts. Um, some of you are like, what's that? Hey, you, you lied to me. I'm justified in carrying this stone. You, you hurt me. I'm just, I've got my stone. I may not throw it, but if I need to, I can. You betrayed me. I'm ready. You, you, you said that about me. You gossiped about me. You lied about me. You hurt my feelings in some way. You let me down. I've got my stone. When we're offended, we feel justified in holding our stones. So we pick up one and then another and then another. And you know what it's really hard to do? It's hard to be loving when you have hands full of rocks. You can't give a hug. You smack them in the head instead. You can't offer a hand to help because you got all your offenses. So at some point, you and I have to decide to stop being offended and start being loving. 
We have to stop being offended and start. We have to decide, I'm going to put all these stones down. I'm not going to live offended. I'm going to stop being offended. So one last story, and this is amazing. So Jesus is, is walking and he's teaching, and these, uh, this group of people find a woman, and she was caught in sin. She was having a, an affair. She's caught in this adulterous moment, and they bring her, and they throw her at Jesus' feet, and they make a spectacle of her. And they say, we're offended by how she acted. You should be offended by how she acted. You should be so offended that you should want her to be put to death because that's what Moses demands. So let's kill her. And Jesus says, hey, listen, if, if that's what you think we should do, I'm fine with that, but just tell me one thing first. If you're perfect, if you're without sin, then go ahead, start throwing those stones. And it says one by one, they put down their stones and left. See, at some point we have to decide, what am I called to? Am I perfect? Do I live to God's standard? Or as Solomon said, listen, there's gonna be times when people do things that offend you, but remember, you've done things that offend others. Are we gonna realize we have a need for grace and put down our stones and extend love? Or do we just walk around carrying our rocks? I've got them. They make me feel good. They make me feel safe. They make me feel secure. And I am justified in carrying them. Listen, you are. You are. And I am so sorry for what happened to you. But at some point you have to say, will I put down my stones? Will I put down all these rocks? Will I lay down all my offenses? Will I stop living a life that's offended and start pointing people to the love of the one who changed me? The one who revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus, who said, don't be offended for me. Don't be offended by me. Jesus, who said, love one another as I have loved you. You have to make that choice. Do you want to be offended? Do you want to make a difference? But you can't live life carrying offense and also be loving, gracious, compassionate, and kind. You have to stop seeing people and measuring them by your standard and start saying, I want to see life through the lens of grace because I need grace and they need grace. And I can now speak words of life to them, hope, encouragement, see them changed. I can make a difference if I'll stop being offended and start loving. Heavenly Father, we come to you now and God, I thank you I thank you. I thank you for your grace. I know for me, God, I am a vessel of grace. I need your grace every day, countless times throughout the day. And my prayer day after day is, God, if you pour grace into me, allow your grace to flow out of me, to my friends, to my family, to my wife, to my children, to my neighbors, to those that I disagree with. God, allow your grace that flows so freely into me to, to flow as freely out of me. God, may that be our prayer. So in just a moment, we're gonna sing a song called New Wine. Some of you have been through some hard things and when you're offended, it hurts. It hurts a lot, but if you think about the process of making wine, what do they do? They take grapes and they crush them, and it hurts. But they don't just take the juice from the grapes and say, you've got wine because you don't have wine, you've got grape juice. 
No, they, they add uh, a fermentation process to that where the chemical uh, processes happen and it's changed from juice to wine. God says, I know you've been offended and I know you've been hurt, but if you will allow that pain and allow my Holy Spirit to move into that moment, I can do a work in you and I can change you from just a crushed glass of juice to a wine that is rich and meaningful and helpful and can do all kinds of great things. So here's what I'm gonna invite you as we sing this song. If you would say, there, there's some offenses that I've been carrying. There's some wounds that I've been harboring. As this song is played, just make your way up. Just spend some time, say, God, it's time for me to put down this stone. It's time to, for me to lay down this offense. Just allow God to do something. Make that great exchange with your heavenly father today.